With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Triple Play Podcast is here in the World Series in the books. Chris Schmidt, World Series champ Jabba Chamberlain, Elijah Herbal, and guys, the Fall Classic. Well, that game one was a classic, but it was all Rangers. We'll get into it thick and thin and get a little uh, thought on the hot stove. Jabba, good to see you, man. Thanks for hanging. Well, good to see you guys. Uh, Glad we could get this in. The boys are in East Lansing for the old Husker game on – on Saturday and let's edit this. What, when, when are we going to post this Elijah, by the way? Oh, well, we'll get this thing posted up ASAP. I'll have this done before I go to bed tonight, at least in audio form. So the people will be able to get the reaction as soon as they'd like to get it. Video form. We'll see. It's a, it's a busy weekend up here in East Lansing. Uh, we were talking off the air as a road trip for me from Lincoln to East Lansing, damn near 11 hours. So, uh, thing is i'm young and the thing i have when i'm young is still a lot of energy so i'll be able to get this thing posted up tonight and uh yeah that's uh it's about as, as simple as it gets for me you know uh add a little intro song in get the uh the, the full audio posted because people need to hear it well guys let's just kind of lay it out there where does this rank as far as fandom when it comes to the world series and there's been some thoughts and arrows shot at the ratings for this world series, but from a sentimental standpoint, it's special. Not only was it a Rangers win, which is near and dear to some of my uh, loved family members, but it was, it was a pretty spectacular game one. I mean, just flat out epic with the drama Jabba Elijah with the comeback by the Rangers the eighth, the ninth, the way it went down. And it was pretty incredible. And then I don't want to say forgettable, but it it didn't have a a lot of drama post game one. If you look at this series, but the Rangers first time, man, they had one hell of a parade. Yeah. I mean, it's, you look at it and we, like we all said, we wanted a little bit more, but at the end of the day, the best team came out and they won. I mean, if you look at how it's broke down and, you know, there's just been some intriguing things that, you know, as, as I got ready for the show, like trying to figure out. So just mundaning on Twitter and from recliner nerd, this is where I got it on Twitter. Go look it up. So if you look at the Rangers, their road warriors, they went 11 and 0, right? Look at every team they beat. How does it spell? Who'd they beat in the wild card? The Rays. Then they beat the Orioles. Then they beat the Astros. Then they beat the Diamondbacks. What does that spell? Road. No, road. It spells road. Road. 
That spells earn. Didn't graduate, but let's let. I mean, let's go here. No, no. I mean, it, it spells road, but it spells earned to me. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. But it's just the the thing. I mean, they haven't won a series since two thousand eleven, and just to do it the way they did it, and and two years ago losing one hundred and two games, and I know it's been talked about a lot, and and you're kind of beating a dead horse too, but. To the credit of not only the aspect that I really feel like is important because everybody always said when we won the World Series in 09, and I, I never want this pod to be about what we did. It's, that's never it. But the one thing that I truly genuinely believe that this Rangers team did, yeah, over the last two years, they spend over $800 million. Yes. But what did they do? They brought in not only great players, but character players and guys that can fit positions and do stuff. And if we want to go based upon money, look at the teams that didn't even make the playoffs that have $200 million (laughs) payrolls. And we can go back and forth on that. Money doesn't win championships. And as much as people want to say you bought a championship, you didn't. And I think that's that's an integral part of, of what CY and and what he did there, but also what Ray Davis allowed him as the owner to be able to like, hey, this is we're here to win. And Seeger, it was crazy. Like he he went on record and said what was intriguing to him because when he won with the Dodgers, it was 30 years. And he knew what that meant to that community. So now you're getting guys that are looking beyond the game of baseball where it's like that. He said that was an intriguing part. And I I believe it was in a Bob Nightingale article in uh, in USA Today, I believe. And I love Bob. Bob is fantastic. Where that was an interesting part for him because, you know, it's been 63, but 52 in Arlington trying to get this done. Right. And Ray Davis has, has done what he could and put him in great positions. And you know what? But you can't take it any way from Mike Hazen and the Diamondbacks and what they did and what they put together. And it's – I wish it would have gone a little bit longer, but in all actuality, we knew exactly the right team won. And it was – you know, you can't take anything away from it, from the knocks on the bullpen. I think the subtle – MVP is Sabors on what he did. And I think, you know, you, you have LeClerc as your dude, but in that clinching game, you keep him out there. Like he had a five and a half in the regular season. He gave up four hits in the postseason at a .75 in 12 innings. Like you can't script this and heroes in October become different. And he literally, like, there was a stat I was looking up. And what got him to where it was is the use of his curveball and how he threw it for a strike. And he made that adjustment. I think he went from 26% in the regular season to 40% in the postseason. And of those 40% that he threw, 67% were strikes. And you have LeClerc waiting for you <laughs> in that clinching inning, and you stay with Sabor's, like, He's the unsung hero to me. Java, I feel like it's just 
par for the course to you that to go to go a pro pitcher mentality, a pitcher deserves the MVP. You know, it's ladies love the players with the big sticks, and it's Corey Seager who had the big stick uh, breaking up the no hitter, and he fully deserved the MVP to me. I see where you're coming from, but like, you, you gotta you gotta admit that to the casual baseball fan, especially in the World Series. It's the guys getting the hits. It's the guys scoring the runs that are going to be winning the MVP. And and I'm not disagreeing you with any in any way, shape, or form. Sports had a great series, but I don't want that to take away from what Corey Seager did, though, because the Rangers paid big money to Corey Seager to get him to to come down and, and be a Ranger. And he comes in and, and delivers, especially in the big time moments. Whenever you need some momentum in a, a World Series game, Zach Gallon's dealing. He's got the no hitter going. Who is it that steps up to the plate and breaks up the no-hitter and gets some momentum going? It's that man again. It's Corey Seager. In that moment, to me, I said, if the Rangers go on to win this game, Corey Seager's going to win the MVP because he had a great postseason, great World Series, then he goes and breaks up the uh, the no-hitter in the, the crucial game five. Like, you saw it coming. But at the same time, I, I understand what you're saying. And, you know, obviously pitchers in the aspect. Look what Nathan Evaldi did. And, and the things that he did, and it's there's only been four that have won five games. And Steven Strasburg is the last one to do it in 19. And before that, you know who it was? It was K-Rod with the Angels when he was starting in 2002. And before that, you know who it was? Randy Johnson for the co-MVP in 2001 with the Diamondbacks. But do we take away the credit from everything else? Corey Seager is a stud, bona fide stud. When we go and, and we just look at it from the World Series perspective, right? You got to have that one guy. But I think that whole team was the MVP. You go Marcus Simeon, played 179 games. Uh. He didn't miss a game this year. You have Evan Carter, who was in double A in August 28th. Comes in, sets the record for most doubles with nine. I think Corey got it, but I I know he understands that that entire team from top to bottom was all MVPs because everybody did everything to get there, and his numbers were fantastic through the postseason. And I just – I think they just clicked at the right time. I mean, you got a dude that's 20, that just turned 21, sets two different records and acts like nothing happened. Like, that's just their heartbeat because that's Bochy's heartbeat. That's CY's heartbeat. And you bring in guys, and, and Max obviously doesn't go the way you want it to. You bring in a $200 million dude in Jacob DeBrom and gives you only six starts. You know what? They did the things that they needed to do. And, and at the end of the year, it, it, it plays itself out. It's Jabba Chamberlain, Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt, triple play podcast recapping the World Series. Texas Rangers are world champs. I want to go to a point in this on legacy and reckoning. You mentioned part of the investment that Texas made. There's massive uh, investments made every year. Uh, with monster salaries in Major League Baseball and, quite frankly, all professional sports. You're just not guaranteed in the NFL. But you look at a guy like Seager, and he liked that. We talk about it in football and recruiting, right? It's a recruiting pitch. Help us get over the hump or 
be the guy that is immortalized. Well, you got to be able to pinpoint and be right from a talent standpoint, bringing in a guy that will no doubt cash the check, but he is all about that legacy and reckoning. He wants that pressure job. I speak to that a moment if you can, because you have lived that life. You've been around teammates that have lived that life and the psyche and mentality needed where you're not going to blink if you get the ball. You're not going to blink if it's 3-2. You're not going to blink if you're paid to be the cleanup guy or the leadoff guy or the three-hole guy or the closer. Uh, you have to be special, and if you do fail, you got to be able to pick yourself back up, and that's not easy to do. No, and it's and Corey did it throughout the entire postseason. I mean, he set another record walking five times in a game. So Corey beat you plenty of ways. And obviously defensively he had a few errors, but I mean, that's part of the game, but it's, it's the dudes that answer the bell every day and not answer the bell on one side of the fence, but they answer the side on both sides of the fence, not only as they perform, whether it's good or bad, but knowing that their demeanor doesn't change and, and nothing changes on, on that dynamic. And I think it's like, that was the first time, and, and I've played against Marcus Simeon, and when he hit that homer in the ninth, that is the most emotion I've ever seen. And he even talked about it after the game, and it was just something for him where that kid comes out in because you always dream about that. And you don't ever think it's going to happen. And you get some of these guys that are older in their careers, and then you get the Evan Carters that are going to be like, I did this in a month, like this is going to happen all the time, right? Like this is what we're going to do every year. And that just doesn't happen a lot. And it's, you know, the guys that do really cool things that are special, they're just dudes. And that's, that's what we call them. I mean, obviously Corey's one of four that have won two world series MVPs. Two were pitchers. One, obviously from Omaha, Nebraska and Bob Gibson. And then, our guy we talked about last last pod was Reggie Jackson. But Corey's the only one to do it in both leagues, in the AL and the NL. And, you know, history is made in October, and history is made throughout the year. And like you said, it's those guys step up and are able to do those things. And he doesn't, he doesn't do it, and he said this, and, and I firmly believe this, that it doesn't get done without what – they have brought in and the trust that they all have in each other and bringing those young guys in late and, and just having the faith and believing in them and not only believing in them, but believing in Boch. And, you know, another crazy stat when you think about this is the last three world series are the three oldest managers in baseball. And, you know, another funny stat about that, if I'm somebody in the off season, Will Smith has played for all three of them. He's won He's on my team. series with three different teams. I'm signing Will Smith immediately. Beyond the rabbit's foot part of this, he brings something to the clubhouse, a calm, an experience, but just one of those guys you can lean on. I want to get into a little story time here for two seconds. And, you know, at your level, dude, I, I – we can only talk about it. You've lived it. So I'm, I'm interested. Did you 
it's not it's not another situation or game. It's what you've lived your whole life to go play and win. So did you go to somebody for not advice, but just all right, teach me or talk to me about what we're going into? Because experience is so important. I think I more so just paid attention to how they handled it. Gotcha. I think I paid attention to how when we got there, and it's one of those things where where as I'm sitting here, I'm I'm listening to Husker volleyball and how that has become an expect if you don't get there, then that's not it. And you know, it was it was something for us where we didn't make the playoffs in the last year of the old stadium and the history that that had. So it was kind of coming into it. It was more so of watching and seeing how they handle it because it's I'll, I'll relegate this to you, Elijah. No, that's right. You don't have kids. Sorry. Schmitty. If we don't know that he we don't we don't know that he has any kids. Well, hey, I, I don't thank kid. God for that. I am not ready. I am not ready. Yeah. Well, neither was I when I was 19, but hey, it all figures itself out. But my whole point of that is saying is our kids reacted to the way we reacted. And I think we had young kids on that team that that did help the team, but we became reactive to the way they reacted. And we had so many veterans that were in that had been in the situation where it just felt it always felt like a normal day. Even though you knew it wasn't. But it's you never saw them break their pregame stuff. So you're like, I can't break mine. Like I can enjoy it and, and do all the other stuff, but I've got to be like them because they've been through it. They've won. They've done these things. So I think it was more so of me just watching them and trying to do what they did to make sure that I put myself in the best situation. Mm -hmm. Triple play podcast here with her dad sports job at Chamberlain recapping the world series. Rangers are champs sharing some stories from the postseason. Elijah Herbal. Chris Schmidt, and there's been a lot talked about whenever someone has a great October. We've detailed Corey Seager's run, and he is absolutely impressive. Uh, can anyone dethrone Reggie in this Mr. October label? Greatness achieved in October. It's memorable forever, but but you know, I think, Reggie, I think Re, 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 Reggie did his Reggie did his work before I was even born, and you two are young pups. But he's still Mister October to me, despite what Seeger did. And I'm not knocking it, but you have heroes that come and go. But why is Reggie sustained so much? As I will quote the Sandlot: "Heroes come and go, legends never die." <laughs> and I literally i've i've got I've got a shirt for that, but I'm just going to save it. I can't bust it all out right now. That's fine. My, my little black Jabba Chamberlain onesie on. I'm just having a good time. But I think <laughs> when you're the first to do what he's done and hit three homers, you make that first impression. There, It just – why when Jeet hit the first homer in the playoffs in November, he's Mr. November. 
So I think it's when it's the first to be done, unless you like Randy or Rosarina in his first year, he broke the single postseason home run record. But is anybody going to remember Randy or Rosarina if he doesn't play 10 years? No, the game, the game, the game identifies game and personalities. But then if you're a personality with those numbers, you will always be remembered. And I think that's part of it. I think Corey Seager is a baseball dude. I mean, his brother, I hated facing his brother because he was a shitty at bat. He battled his ass off. And I never, ever pitched that great in Seattle. And he was just a monster. Like, you know, just he was short to the ball. You couldn't, I mean, you couldn't get in. And he just, he understood it from his brother. And like, you know, it's just being part of that and being a a baseball family and being glued and tied into it. Like when you got your brother as your crutch, and they both lean on each other. And, you know, they've done really cool stories on them, too. And, and they're, they were, they're both fantastic players. We've all watched them. And it's just, you've got to do something beyond special at this point to be Mr. October. Like you got to hit 700 with 36 homers. I don't know what the hell it is. <laughs> the longevity of of Justin Verlander and getting to positions, but nobody talks about him as Mr. October in the playoffs. It's John Smoltz and Andy Pettit. Mm-hmm. And then it's just, it, it dictates game by game. Like now Zach Gallon, he took the deepest in the world series in a clinching game, but nobody's ever going to talk about that because he lost. So there's different parameters and different things that happen that dictate you being like, as stupid as this to say, I will always be remembered for the bugs. I won't be remembered for shit else, which I'm completely fine with. But when they talk about bugs and midges, it's going to happen every year. <laughs> so it's just there, there's certain there's certain dynamics in certain situations. Like everybody's going to remember Pedro. And if you're a baseball fan, they always will. Pedro is Pedro, right? He literally does his stuff on the postseason says, who's your daddy? Because he made a comment, but that changed a spectrum that changed the dynamic of what was happening and they run with it. So there are just certain things that you do where it becomes who you are. And I wouldn't say legacy, but what is tied to you? Well, there's the element to me, whenever you you think of, of Seager in this whole conversation that, that, to be remembered in that way in terms of grander culture, because you, you say Mr. October, someone's going to Reggie Jackson, even if they're not a baseball fan, it's bigger than baseball. And, and Pedro Martinez with the who's your daddy, it's bigger than baseball. And it kind of gets back to the, the ratings we talk about with this world series, Corey Seager, you ever seen him on a, a national ad campaign? You seen any of the guys from either of these teams on any national ad campaign? Hey, Doug, he was at, he was at Raising Cane's today, giving out free food. You miss me. But like, that's kind of the the point I'm making is like, yeah, going to a a Raising Cane's drive-thru and giving out foods, it's cool. It's fine. But it's not an advertising campaign with 
board where you're going to bet everybody's television for the next six months because you won World Series MVP. And that, that's kind of the issue with this year's World Series. Like, yeah, Corey Seager is a great, great baseball player. And he's he's fantastic because of the way he commits himself to the game. And maybe that's why he doesn't go and get into the advertising side of things, why he doesn't make himself a, a household name outside of the circles that of people that really appreciate baseball. But that was kind of the problem with this World Series as a whole. Is you've got guys that are future Hall of Famers. Corey Seager, with what he did, this October, what he's done in, in previous playoffs, he's probably building himself a pretty solid world's or excuse me, Hall of Fame resume. But people aren't going to talk about that right now because Corey Seager is not a guy like Aaron Judge or, or name your star in baseball right now that's bigger outside of the game. That's like the, the definition to me of what a superstar is. Okay, a superstar so is somebody that transcends the game and becomes famous. Like you're about Giannis. You don't need to be a basketball fan to know who Giannis is or who Kevin Durant is. You don't need to be a baseball fan to know who Aaron Judge is. There's still people out there that aren't big baseball fans that couldn't tell you who Corey Seager is. And that's an element to why he's not going to get the label of Mr. October and why there's the element of, you know what, this World Series wasn't all that heavily watched. There wasn't the superstar factor to it at all, despite the fact that you've got future Hall of Fame guys that were playing in this game and you got uh, a Texas Rangers team that finally broke the streak. They finally got themselves a World Series ring. None of that matters whenever you're not dealing with superstars because that's what America loves. Okay, so hold on, Elijah. Let me ask you this question. So, and obviously we saw the ratings and they posted it and, you know, just what it is. And I understand that. And I get your point in what you're saying that there's no superstar. So if, if you're asking it and what we're focused on is, so who do you think the face of baseball is right now? You'd probably go Shohei Otani. Mm -hmm. And he was hurt half the year. Because exactly what you said, the reason why people don't buy in is because it's not that superstar value. But what I think needs to happen, too, is like, but a lot of these guys, like Mike Trout, for how many years has been in our circle was the face of baseball. But Mike doesn't want to do all that stuff. So that doesn't mean anything. And that's where I want to disagree. You need the performance and the personality to your but point about Mike's to, a dude. no, he, absolutely. I mean, his but, skills unmatched, but you need the performance and the personality combo. Think, think, of, think about this and, and we can, we can, we can transplant sports. Think about Joe Namath. He's Broadway Joe, right? Yeah. So it's because not only did he perform on the field, he obviously was great on the field. She, but he no, was he also great off the field, and you have guys. And Otani is the he. Could, I don't disagree with you that he's the face of baseball, but at the same time, it's so different because he's globally, yeah, in that aspect. Like playing with Ichiro and Hideki Matsui and Hiroki Kuroda, and Hiroki wasn't even as big as those other guys. But playing with that, when you are global. That is a different anomaly. And you got Yamamoto, who's the who's coming off, and the two best free agency prospects we have right now is two Japanese men. The game is going global, which it has for a long time, but in a different aspect. But if we're talking here in the aspect of what it is, and Schmidty's 100% right, if you want to be that face, you have to be both personality, show up, 
show out and be accountable for every aspect of it. And I'm not saying Trout is not, but he just wants to be who he is and let him be that. There are some guys that embrace it, that want it. And there's some dudes that are just so damn good where they don't have to say shit. It's, it's comfort. You got to want that limelight and Trout's comfort is to just go 35, 310 and 102 a year, <laughs> right? Versus doing the extra, extra uh, in La La Land uh, when it comes to the, the ad campaign. Let's dive in. We, we're talking Otani here. Let's, let's hit on Shohei for a second. Triple Play Podcast, Jabba Chamberlain, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal's coming back. You're coming back? Okay, he's fist He made me. it. He's, he's back. We are not in a hostage situation. I'm uh, in one corner of the room in East Lansing. Elijah's in the other corner of the room. Jabba's in his, in his Yankee den. Well, okay. Schmitty, 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 really fast, though, in my brief two hours here in Lansing, it does kind of feel like a bit of a hostage situation. Maybe we're just on the wrong end of town, but I don't know. Well, I was, Daddy I was, went there, I was the room for a Nebraska-Michigan State game. 12? 2012? And I absolutely shit the bed in the playoffs. So I got, I got my shit pushed in walking into that game wearing Nebraska. It was not good. And I, I was, I was do, do tell me where the, it wasn't quite Philly fan, but we ran into a few Michigan state fans at night. It was close. Can I just say one? I'm pretty sure we don't have any Michigan state fans on this, but I'm walking in with my son and they were giving me the business because I was not good. I'll be the first person to admit it. When I suck, I suck. When I'm good, I'm good. I don't run from it. That's what I am. That's who I am. But I was walking in with my son, and they're just giving me the business. I was like, hey, can you guys wait? You can give it to me some other time. I'm walking with my son trying to get in here. And, yeah, it's it's a it's a fun atmosphere to play in, but it's not my first place to choose. So, I mean, you can take it and stick it where the sun don't shine, so I don't care. Well, I, I we were uh, – after we got done with the uh, afternoon show, I went to the, the rooftop bar – a shock and um no i i ran into some gal who is from colorado and cute looking gal but i mean the first word is f you husker and i'm like well you know i don't really care who wins i'm here to cover the game but i i just want to the point to saying about this cute gal from from colorado is is botox different in colorado because I swear it took 15 years off of her. Well, they, they have, they have better things that they can use probably than, than, than we do here. I don't know. Shit. No, I, I bet she, she's in East Lansing with her kid and a couple of other fans and some, some dudes from Lincoln Northeast actually is who I ran into Jabba. Oh, so. sweet. Yeah. Thanks. Throw me under the bus. No, 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 no. They, they were entertaining her. It was fine, but I'm like, okay. Uh, how old is she? And they're like, well, she's your age, Schmidt. I'm like, she doesn't look my age. <laughs> she doesn't look worn and beaten down by the world. And I'm just, I'm impressed with the, uh, the, the Botox they have out there in, uh, in Denver. 
probably a, a ritzy area of Denver. They're, Elijah. They're I know, I know you doing some other stuff with the Botox when they, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't interview her on that. <laughs> well, Elijah, are you, are you uncomfortable? Are you, are you uncomfortable? The, the podcast has devolved. I'm not sure how we got here. We were going to Shohei Otani. We were this close to going to no, talk Shohei Otani. No, and, and, we're, and now we're, going we're talking back. to a woman from Denver that you met at the rooftop bar that apparently said "fu Husker." As far as we know, that could have been an offer. That could have been an offer. No, no, it was not. I wasn't wearing any red, nor nor would I take that offer up. Love you, buddy. At the same time, it's funny that you guys say that because I was literally talking to a good friend of mine and he just started literally a pod with three of his buddies and it's a common fan GBR pod. You guys can go follow him. And we were talking about, it's just three dudes that, that are getting together and, and they're like, well, what are you guys doing? And I go, at the end of the day, we just want to be real and talk and, and, and give you guys 45 to an hour to just, if you're working out on a drive where it's just whatever. And we got, Mr. Producer Elijah over here is like, oh, we were going here and we're going here. Well, sometimes, damn it, we go off on tangents. It's 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 an off road it's an off road vehicle trip, right? Yeah, you never know. No, so I didn't. We steer back. We can detour and then we'll get back. Why I detoured was to follow up with your point about your experience in East Lansing. While I didn't walk in getting shit from fans. Uh, I, uh, hey, I walked did, in. Hey, hold on, time out though. Kind of. They called Kevin Harlan tonight, right? I did, and this was a guy from Buffalo, New York, who's here with his two boys that are Spartan students. With yeah, I humble brag, but some guys like, hey, are you Kevin Harlan? Or are you with Westwood One? Like, no, my name's Chris, and I'm from Nebraska, and we just got done doing a radio show, so that kind of made my night. Between that. And having a steak with Jack Ebling. I mean, it was cool. So, well, speaking of detours, speaking of detours really fast here, I got to talk about my road trip up here because about 45 minutes southwest of Lansing, Michigan, <laughs> there's a little place called Climax, Michigan. Oh, what? Climax, Michigan. So, let it be known, both Schmidt and I, throughout this game tomorrow, will be very close to Climax. The entire game. <laughs> Hold on, wait, wait, wait. No, no, we won't. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, and it's it's like the only time I was hey, sitting there. I'm like, man. Guys. I mean, great, fantastic. And I was just sitting there, like it was it was crazy because I, I've been driving for like 11 hours today. I'm losing it at this point. I'm at 10 hours and 15 minutes in, and I'm just thinking, I'm like, man, first time in my life, I'd have to stop to get to climax. You know? Well. Was there a deja vu in Climax? I just have to elaborate because it's not so quick. But I mean, yeah, got to do what you got to do. How 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 long was the, the drive through Climax, Elijah? How long did it last? <laughs> not long at all. It wasn't <laughs> ten and a half hours. I can tell you that. Uh-huh. Uh Let's get back to baseball. It's a triple play podcast. That's Elijah Herbal telling us about. Climax, Michigan, Jabba Chamberlain, World Series champ. Okay, so the 10 suitors or more for Shohei Otani. Uh, got the the Angels, of course. They've got the uh, the five-day exclusive negotiating window. 500 so million, can, 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 600 million, 800 million, 
that buys you a lot of takes and gas in Climax, Michigan. Hey, Schmitty, can, can, we, can we explain a little bit? And I don't know if, if people have explained this. So after the World Series, there's five days mm-hmm. where either you have to re-sign with the team right, or you have to have your options either picked up or not. And that's player option, club option, or mutual option. Why do you guys have so many options? Well, that's just how you do your contract. And some work out where, so we've seen Jorge Soler that opted out already. And it just, it makes you, you've already made your money, but then now you become a free agent. And he had 36, had a 502 slugging. So now he's going to get double what he got paid. So you have five days to do that. And then after that, in that aspect, if you become a free agent, that becomes a qualifying offer. And the qualifying offer is over 20 million. And one person I'll just touch on quick and then we can move on to that. Mm-hmm. was Cody Bellinger. Okay. He took a qualifying offer with 17 million with the Cubs last year. He bet on himself. And it's going to turn into probably a buck 30, buck 50. Jeez. But he bet on himself on that qualifying offer because you don't have anything after that. They're going to offer you a qualifying, and if you don't take it, then then there you go. So I just wanted to give a little bit of information for everybody that listens to, to what that means in that five days. Thank you for that. Um, so let me just ask the room this. Do you believe that Shohei will be a two-way guy again after the – Tommy John. I honestly, uh, I listened to Ken Rosenthal uh, on foul territory today, mm-hmm. and he feels like the Dodgers are in the lead. And then I listened to David Ardsma, who was a teammate of mine on MLB Network Radio, and was talking about Boston and the other stuff. Uh, when Shohei first came in, he said he never wanted to be in big market, but I've been reading stuff where the allure of Boston coming in because they have Yoshida there. And so they have a Japanese conglomerate and doing those things. And they've had Dice K and they've had certain things. And then now you bring Craig Breslow in, a former player as a president of baseball ops. Now you just announce him. And is in and to, to Artemis credit, is that a move you make? But my point in, in, in notes that I, I literally had here in, in my free agency notes is what do you do in the aspect of the number, knowing that he's not going to pitch next year, that he can fully focus on just hitting, but then maybe in the next year you get him as a pitcher. Do I think it's the number originally? Is he's on his second Tommy John? Do you think it's – I think it's north of 400. I don't I, I think it's any bigger. Okay. Just because of that unknown. I, you know, and I'm – the thing that I think is intriguing too, and we almost saw this in, in basketball with Kevin Durant – with the Washington Wizards when he, when it was, you know, one of the free agent tours a few years back for K, KD uh, with, with Under Armour and Washington. He grew up in D.C., so that was a poll, right? 
Well, New Balance is based out of Boston. That's a that's a monster deal for Shohei. On top of the intrigue with with kind of helping bring Boston back, and they've not been that far gone that long ago. So, um, will that big market question mark for Shohei keep him away? Boston's there, of course. He's been in LA with the Angels, but not the Dodgers, right? I mean, it's LA's the Dodgers are are LA, and the Angels are the Angels. Um, Cubs uh, are in it. Uh, Dodgers, of course, just across town. The Mets, Giants, Seattle, Rangers, Toronto. And do you see him maybe looking at New York? Your Yankees. I I I, do, I don't see New York, but also too, I don't I don't know Shohei's length with who he has and whatever. Um, I would assume at the point. They all look up to Ichiro, right? Right. And one of my favorite teammates, one of one of everything that I like, one of my most prized possessions. And we're gonna go off on a tangent here. Oh, no, um, this is good. So Ichiro always played right field, and so in and I looked up. Obviously, Mo always played center field, and part of his like conditioning and everything was getting fly balls in the first group because none of the position players that are starting, they always hit in the first group. So us pitchers, we play catch and then we go to the outfield to shack balls. Right. So I always went to right field. I don't know why I did, but I always did. I think it was because I loved right fielders with Jose Guillen, Raul Mondesi, Ron Gant, Vladimir Guerrero, Boston that had great arms. And then Ichiro, and I, I had faced him, and I hated facing him because you can't strike those dudes out. Like, they just, they, they, I hated him, and we had the conversation, and he's so great. So, me just being the guy that I was, I was like, each, I would love to have a glove. And so, he goes in in the third group. We're still out there shagging. I get to my locker. I've got a Mizuno bag with an Ichiro glove, his softball and everything around it. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, are you serious? Like, what? Like, really? And so as Japanese culture and and as being Native American as well, like, gifts are very important to us. Mm -hmm. And so I call my guy with brawlings who still takes care of me to this day. I was like, hey, can I get a glove made, um, an outfielder's glove? And I knew in the back of my mind, I was like, Ichiro doesn't give two shits about a Java Chamberlain glove. Like, not a damn thing. But one day, I came in, and I just got the glove, and I literally gave it and set it on his chair like he did with me. When he came in and I was there, he came over, and was the most grateful and thankful person that like just for a glove and it was one of the coolest things ever and just one of the greatest moments that i've had in baseball and my catch partner at that point was boone logan and boone logan was like hey can i have your uh your bat case and each year it was like yeah and just such a great dude but don't ask him about food because he literally 
like I said, we're going off on tangents here. What, what's up with Ichiro and food? Well, first of all, he loves McDonald's. <laughs> him and me both. We're in Chicago, right? And, you know, if you're in Chicago, you got time. Let's get some pizza, right? Yeah. yeah. So I was like, all right. So I see Ichi and I'm like, Ichi. And I always like, I just bug people. That was just, that was, I was like a <laughs> bug on the wall. I just like, bug. I was young. I'm a kid from Nebraska. We don't get professional sports. I just get to watch you guys. There's, there's a Mitch joke that can be made somewhere in there, but I'm going to let it lie. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it going. And so I'm like, Ichi, what'd you do? And he was like, oh, I went to lunch. I went to lunch. And I was like, oh, where'd you go? And I'm thinking like Chicago, like Lou Malnati's, Gino's East, like all these places. He goes, California Pizza Kitchen. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, come on, man. Like, what are we doing here? Was it good? Did you like it each? He was, I mean, but he's awesome. I mean, he's such a great dude and just a great teammate and, and just fantastic about everything. So, yeah, he's, he's, like I said, on a tangent. But, yeah, and wrapping this around where we're going, do I think Seattle's a great place for a guy like that? Yes, 100%. Do I think I've read some stuff about Boston? And is that a great move for Breslow? Schmitty, to your point, do I think New York is in there? Haven't really read much about it. I don't think so. Um, I think the number is going to be a lot of things that are going to dictate who it is. And like you said, there's probably about a handful that are going to be in that position to do it. And listening to Ken Rosenthal today on um, Foul Territory, was he was like, now you can sign him for that, but then you can sign two starters, not knowing what Clayton Kershaw just came out with, having surgery on his capsule on his shoulder, hoping to be back for the summer. So I, I don't know that number. I want that guy in, in selfishly for two reasons. First of all, talent. Mm-hmm. Second of all, the marketing aspect of it. And, and to my point too, and, and so Chris Rose is one of my dudes. So he's on John Boy Media and I'll shout out those guys because they are fantastic. But he brought up a thing on his with Trevor today. Do you think it's important for, and, and I'll piggyback them and obviously we give credit where credit's due. Like we ain't taking shit from anybody. But he presented a question. Do you think it's important for Otani, being the biggest free agent right now, to sign before the first of the year or after the first of the year or as soon as he can? Oh, I, you know, it kind of goes down to his personality for me. And what's, what's going to – is he a guy that wants to make a splash? Is he a guy that wants to continue to field offers and then just get the recruiting visits for, from a fit standpoint? Where do I feel most at air quote home? Or is it, we'll see what else happens after the first year with additions and where can I go to go win that ring? So what's, what's most important? And I don't know him at all. I, He's 
kicked ass and taken names for a long time. But I think if I had to peg him, I think he wants to just go win, make a buttload of money on top of it. But I think he wants to just go win now. I think he's, you know, pushing 29. He'll be 29 if he's not already. And you got a window. And he's, like you said, second Tommy John. He wants to go keep killing it both ways, hitting and pitching. But right now he's able to to hit. So who's going to give me a shot at the championship? And not not grease in and join a, an already champion. I think he's okay with going to a place and maybe being that missing piece. But what, go ahead, Elijah. Well, I was just going to say there's also the element to if you want to win, do you sign earlier so the team knows – I guess a better idea of a plan of attack of how they want to attack the rest of free agency with, with you in the boat, because whoever gets them, like I'm just going to bring an example here from, from European soccer. I'm a big fan of Tottenham Hotspur. Their best player is a guy who's Korean. His name is Son Hyun Min. Who in the hell? What, what the hell did you just say? Son Hyun Min is his name. He's won the Asian footballer of the year, three consecutive years. He's fantastic. And, And why I bring this up, is because he plays for Tottenham Hotspur. Have you guys heard of Tottenham Hotspur? Chris maybe has because I'm a fan. It's okay if you don't. That's the point I'm making here. They're the most popular soccer team in all of Asia. Not just Korea, all of Asia. It was Manchester United since he's gone off to Tottenham. They are the most popular team in all of Asia. And he has taken almost single-handedly by opening up the Asian market, he's taken Tottenham from a team that was outside the top 25 most valuable teams in the world to a top 10 most valuable team in the entire world of soccer because he's opened up that market for them. And that's going to be an element that teams are thinking about here. Shohei is obviously going to be thinking about winning. The team's going to think about the the, the element that he brings. But that's an element here too. Whenever you're, you're talking about the money that you're going to be tossing around here, what's your return on investment opening up the entire Asian market to come be a fan of you because they love Shohei Otani so much. That's something you got to think about with this offer in terms of, could it be north of 450 million? I mean, it's possible because of that element of the potential return on your investment down the road. If, if you're the Red Sox or the Yankees saying, you know what, we're going to open up the millions of people in Asia to baseball through Shohei Otani, and we're going to make them Yankees fans. We're going to make them Red Sox fans. No, but you forget at the same time, you, you're talking about, I have no idea what the freak you're talking about. But you got to understand, baseball is completely different because if they go and play in Japan, they have to wait to be posted. So you have this second, other than Utani and Yamamoto, for the Oryx Buffaloes in the last three years, he's won the triple crown of all of pitching and everything. So now he's coming in at 25. And we've seen those guys. We've seen them take chances on the Yankees took a chance on K.E. Gawa. How'd that turn out? Didn't turn out. And you have certain guys that that happens. And you had Matsuzaka and all that. And you're getting younger guys in this aspect in so a lot of those things, and now you you saw an 18-year-old kid in Japan in high school. Instead of going into the professional Japanese league, he's now going to come to the States and he's going to go to Vanderbilt. That's, that's the rumor. Mm. But then he doesn't have to wait seven years to get posted because everybody that goes into – that league, they have to wait to get posted. They have to play a certain amount of years. 
and maybe I should clarify my point here because I, I want to make Tottenham Hotspur the, right now because you're talking about soccer. Well, Tottenham Hotspur. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go back to just for a second. They're the most popular football team, soccer team in all of Asia, and they are located in. Hold London, on, can England. you can, can you say? Yeah, you can say football. And, uh, all right, never mind. I wasn't going to do it. I, I was trying to avoid doing it, but that's the point I'm making. We don't have any football. I, maybe we do. Sorry, when you guys listen to this. Sorry if you don't, but we're football people, like American football. Sorry, we're not football. So, so I'll stick with calling it soccer. But that's the point I'm making is is Bottom's located in London, England, and they're the most popular team in all of Asia. And that's what I'm saying with with the element of, of Shohei is are you going to have little Japanese or, or Korean kids that grew up playing baseball dreaming of being an angel as it stands right now or, or dreaming of being a Yankee or a Red Sox or a Dodger based on where Shohei Otani goes? I think that's something that has to be considered here for the, the baseball organizations. And you flip it around, I think we're on the same page that Shohei wants to win, but I think from a team perspective, it's bigger than just Shohei Otani. Well, I think it is too, but I think why he's here for a reason is the fact because of duty for him. And, 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 and God mm-hmm. rest his soul, and Hideki Arabu and Hideo Nomo, like, you know, those are guys that, that set a precedent in, in all the things and all the guys that have came after him. We've never had anybody like Otani. We've never had that guy. But going back to what we were talking about, is that the aspect and what is the mark for him in what he wants to do? He's not going to, if he was healthy in the aspect of what it is, he was going to get close to a billion dollars because he was going to be evaluated in both sides of what he did. Then it would have been close to seven to eight hundred million. But now you you have a year off where he's and and, and like Schmitty presented, is are you going to get him back as a pitcher? And if you don't get him back as a pitcher, now now is he an everyday player that plays outfield? Where now he's an everyday player and he's not pitching for you? You can't put him in the bullpen because he's even everyday player. That just, you can't, there's no way you can warm him up. There's just no way you can. No, the investment is he gets healthy again, still has his stuff, and he's downright dominant in both elements of the game on the hill and obviously in the batter's box, and he's feared and, and deadly. Uh, with what he can do, I mean, and he's done it. But can he can he come back as a hitter? You're going to pay out your ass for him, and and it'll be great. But the the caveat, the icing, is to have him go win uh, a ton of ball games. If, if you want to win a whole bunch of ball games, I'm Shohei Otani. I'm looking at Boston. I'm looking at that short porch down the right field line as a lefty hitter. I'm looking at that and saying that's an extra ten bombs a year. <laughs> So if, if you think so, all the Players' Choice Awards came out. Players' Choice Awards came out first. That's what they always do. And obviously, Acuna won Player of the Year, and Shohei did that. Seager's obviously up. When it, when it comes out to, to everything, do you, do you think those awards play value on what it is? Like, all the other ones don't matter because Garrett Cole's already paid. One that I think I'm really, really interested in 
is Mr. Snell and how he started and then how he finished and what he did. And I'm, I'm going to like, after we covered the Rangers and everything, and I want to transition a little bit mm-hmm. to a little bit of free agency and we can touch on it and then we can, we can do it the next time. But I think there's a lot of stuff that we're really going to get into with certain numbers and, and Otani's one of them and Snell is, is a huge aspect of what it is. And then, you know, we have, you know, Yamamoto and what he's going to do as he'll be in 26, he'll be 26 years old when it happens and see what, what happens from there. But I, I just think there's so many aspects of it and we've covered it all. Like, I want to give a little preview of what you think is going to be interesting from, okay, so let's let's do this. Do you think the Rangers make any moves here? In, because they're going to lose. They're losing four bullpen guys, which we thought that was going to be the downfall, but it wasn't. You think they make moves? I think they kick tires on Shohei, absolutely. I mean, they're they're one of the teams listed. They'll no doubt present what's worked when they went out and spent just two years ago. Yeah, I mean, they've got a formula that's current, it's recent, and they're hoisting a title because of it. So, so yeah. If, if we're recapping, like, what do you think the Diamondbacks need to do and the Rangers need to do? Obviously, you're coming back, and 24 predictions have already been out, and Braves are favored to win already. So, and it's in it's it's interesting to see that because it's always fun to to speculate and whatever. But what offseason moves and like obviously I'm I'm very valued in what the Yankees are gonna do because I think there's a lot that we want to do. But I think in 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 my opinion is it's not only the money spent, but it's the character spent in those guys. And I think that's a great value in what it is. And especially with with all of like Mark Feinstein did an absolute great job. And, and Mark's a great dude of mine. We actually were just we were texting about our kids and, you know, he just put his oldest in Miami and we're trying to figure out where Cart's going to go. And, you know, it's just fun to have those relationships with guys. And, and they've always been great to me. And, you know, it's just interesting to see, you know, these guys and that win these players' choice. And I think players' choice awards mean more than anything. And you got Gunnar Henderson that did everything with the Orioles, and you got Adley Rushman and all those guys. And you have Corbin Carroll and, like, now that are going to become dudes. And I, I just think there's the parity in baseball that doesn't matter about money where I think the Rangers kind of changed the dynamic of it was, yeah, we spent a load of money, but we also brought in dudes that were character guys that made our clubhouse better, even though we paid them. Well, they, they got it right with that talent and character. Just two teams that, that are smarting and we'll wrap up with this and we'll get our knives ready for another run at, at free agency here next week with another triple play podcast. But 
Diamondbacks got outscored, so they're going to want to focus on offense. Okay, Philly. Schmitty, so, so Schmitty, hold on on that. Look about what they did. They had Evaldi on the ropes for how many innings? Mm-hmm. Five. But he's a dude. They went 0 for 9 in scoring position in the in the first four innings. They had chances to score, and he was just better. You got to have that opportunity and have that dude. And it's just they didn't step up. Not saying that they're not the dudes, but I think you you've got to fill you got to fill in those situations because they're not far off. No, they're, they're not. They're there. No, a little more offense can help with those scoring position opportunities for sure. Philly, uh, they need a lockdown closer. Uh, you know, their bullpen was not problematic that much of the season, but when push came to shove, it, it didn't do its job against the Diamondbacks. Nola's obviously their priority. So, but um, can they start faster as well with Philly? Uh, this next season. It's how you start, it's how you finish. I know. I know. And then the Astros, I mean, they got to find someone to be the next Dusty, and that doesn't happen. <laughs> That's so. tough, too. I mean, like I said, you, you look at all the guys that won the last, they're the oldest managers in the game, and Snit and Dusty and Boach. And, and you know, Boach is not, not going anywhere now. Oh, he's hunkering down for a fifth. And and Snit's going to be in there, and who takes over the Astros and the aspect of what they do? But th- those guys are so depending on how they keep it. I think they're they're going to be okay. But it's also you have the other players in the game. You have the D backs that nobody thought. You you always have the Rays that are in there, and Kevin Cash is fantastic, and that's what I love. I love about this, and, and like we talked about earlier, it wasn't the most viewed World Series, but for me, it was one of the best World Series, even though I wanted to see it go longer. It was fantastic because you got to see dudes like in an Arizona market that wouldn't be on a level of what they were. Like Corbin Carroll already has numbers. He was going to be rookie of the year, right? You got Alex Thomas and those guys and Cattell Marte setting a record. And Cattell Marte is a good dude. We all know that he's a great player, but it just, it, it sets them to a different level where now it's like, if you get a free agent guy where they're like, all right, we're in it to win it and we'll do these things. And I, I just think, I don't care about the numbers as a baseball dude. I think this was great for baseball and seeing you had one team that brought in dudes that needed to fill the team and you had another team that legitimately paid, but they brought in the right people. And I think it's just two dynamics where it can always be successful. We'll hunker down for the off season and free agents. Fun World Series recap as Texas wins it. Jabba Chamberlain, Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt, Triple Play Podcast. We'll talk to you next time and be sure to catch us and subscribe to it with Herd at Sports Triple Play Podcast also on Twitter and on the YouTube channel. We'll talk to you next time.